morning, guys. I want you to think about when was the last time that you were encouraged to use your imagination as an adult? The last time during your work week where you were asked to use your imagination, not just your creativity, but to go to that place that was really easy for us as children to just imagine. You know, I remember as a kid uh, just spending hours out in the backyard with my sister just using our imagination, like not playing with toys, just pretending and imagining what our life would be like when we were adults. It sounded so exciting to imagine what it would be like to be married or to, be, um, to have a job. That sounded so exciting. And so we would pretend and imagine together what it would be like if we had our own families and we had these jobs. And I remember watching my daughters do that when they were little. In fact, they were a lot more adventurous than um, my sister and I. They, they imagined they were flower fairies. They imagined they were elves going on adventures. Um, in fact, they often imagined that they were orphans. Whenever I would ask them to clean up their toys, they would do this thing where they would imagine that I was the mean lady making them in the orphanage clean up, and they would even sing It's a Hard Knock Life for us from Annie. I really appreciated their imagination when they did that. But um, as we grow older and older, we spend less time. We're encouraged to spend less time in our imagination. Instead, we're encouraged to focus on learning facts and to spend time acquiring these skills that will help us achieve you know, success and comfort in life. So now here's the question, when's the last time you were encouraged to use your imagination in your prayers, in your connection to God, and maybe even in your understanding of his teachings? I don't know about you, but growing up in the church, I think I was actually discouraged from using my imagination. It was kind of like your imagination you, might lead you astray. Instead, let's just learn the Bible, clear facts, black and white understanding of things given to us in the Bible. And sh the Bible is very important for us in our life. But... Is God and his kingdom that easily understood for us, where it's such clear black and white understanding? I don't think Jesus thought it was, because that isn't really how he taught people about God or how his kingdom worked. He didn't give easy answers for everyone to know the right answer in every situation, for them to be able to explain in a paragraph what the kingdom of God meant. Instead, he asked people regularly to do something, to imagine a world where, and then he would tell them a story. He invited people to use their imagination to enter into this world, this different reality, into a story, a story where the setting and the people and the culture weren't too far removed from their own lives. But by entering this new world, this new reality, Jesus' listeners were encouraged to use their imagination and to help them understand these deep and profound teachings. And these stories have been come to be known as his parables. And perhaps you've read his parables before. There are actually over 40 listed in the four Gospels. 
Maybe they're very familiar to you. You've heard several sermons about them, messages over the years. You've done the Bible study on them. You know these stories. You could tell them. You could even explain what they mean. But maybe the parables are new to you. And I want to say, if the parables are new for you this morning, that I think that's awesome. Because I kind of envy you a little bit. Because you get to engage in these stories during the series in a way that I really struggle to do. Um, Because these stories seem like stories that I've heard somebody tell over and over again. I don't know if you have people in your life who like to tell the same stories over and over again. I imagine all of us have, you know, at least one of those relatives that tells the same stories over and over again. There are a couple of people in my life who um, will start out telling a story and then they'll say, oh, have I told you this story before? And if you have the courage to say, yeah, actually, and you don't, like, tell them, yeah, actually, a lot of times I've heard this story, several times, you just say, yeah, I've heard this story before. And then they'll say, well, it's a really good story. Let me tell you it again. And you're like, okay. And immediately, my mind kind of shuts off a little bit, right? I disengage. I become a little less present. Maybe I'll shake my head like I'm following along, but I'm not really engaging in the story like I did the first time I heard it because I know how the story ends. And so if the parables are familiar to you, I want you to just encourage you to try to engage in them in a fresh way during this series. And for all of us to join Jesus and imagine a world where with all of our imagination, we go along with a story, not really knowing where it's going to lead us in the end. And so the first thing that we have to do when we listen to a parable is we have to imagine that we are actually one of the first ones listening to the story that Jesus told many, many years ago. And so we have to imagine what would it be like to be a first century Jew living under the rule of the Roman government? What would my understanding of God be if that was true? What would my relationships be like? What would my job be like? And that's really hard for us to do because we're so far removed from that time and place. And it's really hard for us to do, I think, um, as Christians, because we also know Jesus's story, how it ends or doesn't end, right? The first listeners of the parables wouldn't have known the rest of Jesus's life. They wouldn't have known about his death and resurrection. They wouldn't have known about the church. They wouldn't have known about Paul and his teachings and all of the New Testament that we know. And so a lot of times we can read through these parables through that lens and see connections that they wouldn't have seen. And so it's important for us to try to just receive it as the person who didn't have all of that understanding would have received it because those listeners, Jesus thought, even though they didn't have all of that history, all of that knowledge, he still thought it was important for them to hear those stories. And most of the time, he didn't even give them an explanation to the story. He just left it with them. And so there's value in just imagining a world and going to that place just as the first century Christians did. But it's important that we understand the context that these stories were told in. It's important that we understand um, the relationship between Samaritans and Jews, that we know the cultural expectations that fathers and sons had for each other, um, how day laborers and vineyard owners would have related to each other, what 
the roles of women would have been like at this time. Because if we only view these stories through our own cultural lens, we actually get Jesus wrong sometimes. So I read parts of a book by um, Amy Jill Levine called Short Stories by Jesus. And she is a brilliant New Testament and Jewish scholar and professor. And in her book, she tries to explain the importance of understanding the context of the parables with, I thought, a helpful example from her own childhood. So she related to um, not knowing the context of the parables to watching the Rocky and Bullwinkle show cartoon series when she was a kid. So um, if you don't know, uh, this was a cartoon series from the 60s that showed in the United States. Um, my father actually watched it, and I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, he would show it to my sister and my brother and I. And it was to us, it was just a funny cartoon with funny characters and funny stories. But what Levine said is later, as she um, got older and she rewatched them, what she realized was that these cart cartoons were actually obvious commentaries on the political landscape of the time during the Cold War. And so as a kid, she wasn't really able to fully appreciate what these cartoons were talking about because she didn't understand the context in which they were written. So that's important for us to understand the context, but beyond just considering the context of these um, stories, it's important for us also to understand the difference between an allegory and a parable. So if you remember from um, high school, college, learning about an allegory, you probably were made to read some um, story where the author is trying to make an obvious comparison, a one-on-one -on -one comparison between um, the world of the story and our world today. And so there will be obvious connections between one character and another. And it's clear that there's one interpretation, really, that they're trying to make. But that isn't true for a parable. A parable, um, there isn't a clear understanding. And sometimes we just read it and just assume, oh, the shepherd is supposed to be Jesus. The father is supposed to be God. But we don't have to look at it that way. The parable can have way more connections for us. And so we are given the um, privilege and the opportunity to use our imagination in many different ways to make connections. So it's okay to say, imagine yourself as the father. Imagine yourself as the thief or the worker or the king. How does your imagination lead you to personally relate to this story? Now I'll admit, parables are challenging. Because in parables, there's no easy answer. And that's actually why Jesus used them. In the parable that we're going to look at later, that's what he tells his disciples when they say, why do you keep telling these stories? It's because they're hard and they challenge us. They challenge us today because of the familiarity, but also because we don't understand the context. But something else um, challenges us with parables. And that is that we have this tendency to always see ourselves as the good guy in the story. Um, a lot of the stories have these three characters, not all of them, but these three main characters. There's a, a person of power, a wise character, and an unwise character. And it's so easy to read these stories and say, oh, I'm like that good, that wise character, right? You see yourself in that, the person who does the right thing, who knows and lives in the ways of the kingdom. 
But when we do this, the stories actually lose a lot of their original intent. And that, for Jesus, why he used them was so that people would work hard and see things in a new way and to feel things in a new way, that it would touch their hearts and that they would be reminded of things maybe that they knew about God in the past, but it would also provoke them, that it would confront them and even maybe disturb them. Levine, in her book, she writes this, religion has been defined as designed to either comfort the afflicted and to also afflict the comfortable. We do well, she says, to think of the parables of Jesus as doing the afflicting. Therefore, if we hear a parable and we think, you know, I really like that, or worse, we fail to take any challenge from it, we are not listening well enough. So that is what we are going to try to do with this series. We will not just be entertained by these stories, although these stories are very engaging, sometimes even humorous. We, our, our goal isn't just to learn the stories so that we can tell them again to other people, although there's great value in doing that as well, learning stories in the Bible well enough that you can tell them again because it's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit will use that in ways that you can't even foresee if you know these stories so well that you could tell them again. But our goal is to use our imagination when we hear these parables, these stories, so that we will be changed by them. That's the goal. So this morning, um, I want to acknowledge that we're going to do some new things, maybe that you aren't used to. Um, we're going to try to engage God in a way that um, we use our imagination, our emotions, um, and maybe this is new for you. And so we're going to try to do something um, this morning that kind of just pra we practice that a little bit, um, something that people, the Christians, have been doing for centuries. Um, different contemplative practices. And I have been learning about them over the years, and really my faith has been um, greatly changed by it. And um, I, I hope that you also um, feel the same way. But what we're going to start out doing is what is known as a visio divina, where we're going to use a piece of artwork um, to kind of lead us in a time of prayer and connection to God. So um, the painting that we're looking at here is by um, Vincent Van Gogh. It's called The Sower. And so I want you to try to be present just looking at this painting. And we are just going to try to imagine that we're in that painting. Either you are the sower or you're just an observer watching this, but you're there in present in that painting. And with your imagination, imagine what the ground would feel like under your feet. Is the ground soft? Is it hard? Is it muddy? Now imagine what would it smell like? What does it smell like in this painting? Do you smell animals? fresh air? Do you feel, smell the crops or the ground? Now focus on the sunlight in the painting. How does the sunlight feel on your skin? 
How does the sunlight affect your emotions to be near it? Now I want you to focus on the sower in the picture, the farmer. Focus on his face. What emotions does he feel as he's dropping these seeds into the ground? Is he tired? Is he sad? Is he hopeful? What do these seeds mean to him? All right, now we're going to try to continue that practice, and we're going to um, read the story that Jesus told about a sower. We find this in Matthew chapter 13. It says in verse 1, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such, Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So I want you to imagine seeing that happen. Jesus walking out of his house and sitting by the lake. How is Jesus dressed? What does he look like to you? Does he walk quickly, slowly? Now, what does the crowd look like? How big is it? How jammed together are they? What emotions would they have? Are some of them anxious or curious or even skeptical? And now imagine yourself in that crowd. What do you want from Jesus today? What are you feeling? And then Jesus told a story. It says, then he told them many things in parables saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus ended it with, whoever has ears, let them hear. So just take a moment to remember those images that came to mind as I read that story What images came to mind? What emotions came along with them? Did they make you happy or sad? In your body, did you feel relaxed when you heard them, or did your body kind of tense up a little bit? Now, this is something to do. Think of a one-sentence prayer that you could say to God just about how you're feeling after you hear that, that story today. Just one sentence prayer and say it to God. 
Now we're going to look at um, what Jesus said to his disciples afterwards. So he's saying this story to a crowd, but then he's spending some time. I don't know if some of the disciples were on the boat with him, but he's just speaking to um, the people that he's, or he knows well that are following him around. And so the disciples come to him and they say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And before we go to the next verse, I want to tell you that um, I'm sure they wanted an easy answer. And what you will find when you read um, Jesus's life is he doesn't give easy answers often, right? He doesn't make it easy for us. And so just remember that when you hear his reply. So Jesus replied in verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has, has will be given more, and they will have an abundance, and whoever does not have, even what they ha- have will be taken from them. And then he says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. That wasn't easy, right? He's making them work, right? He's making them work. But really, what he's saying here is uh, that a lot of people in the crowd can see him, see Jesus, this man, this Messiah that they've waited for. They see him do miracles, and yet they don't really see what's happening. And they can hear him teaching, but they don't really understand what he's saying. And these disciples who are getting it, they're getting the kingdom of God, they are going to be given more, more responsibility, um, deeper understanding because they're getting these gifts that, uh, that Jesus is giving them. And then Jesus, he quotes a scripture from Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, of course, would have said this to God's people, the, the Israelites. He said, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart have become calloused. And they hardly hear with their ears anymore, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. And if they did that in turn, I would heal them. And then Jesus said, blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus is telling his disciples here that he's using the parables to help his listeners prepare their hearts for these deep and profound truths that only a few are grasping at the time. And the truth is that the people in the crowds, many of them weren't ready for their hearts to be changed. They weren't ready to see God in a new way. And so Jesus is actually making it difficult with the parables because he wants them to be challenged, and he wants their hearts to get involved, not just their heads. He wants their hearts involved, and he wants them to be changed by it. And I think that the same is true for us today, that the parables aren't easy, and that that makes us be challenged in a way that we have to use our, our hearts Eugene Peterson writes a book called The Contemplative Pastor, and in it he says that Jesus continually threw down these odd stories alongside 
ordinary lives, ordinary things that happen to people. And then he walked away after he told the story without explanation or without an altar call, without saying, now make a decision. And then the listener started to see their own connections. They started seeing God connections and life connections and eternity connections. And it was the very lack of their obviousness that made people, it was the stimulus for them to perceive these likenesses. And this is what he continues to say. He says, the parables didn't do the work. It put the listener's imagination to work. Parables aren't illustrations that make things easier. They make things harder by requiring the exercise of our imagination. So Jesus didn't tell parables to confuse people. He told parables to help them engage in a new way, a way that they hadn't really done before. And the truth is that many hearing these parables weren't really interested in changing. And so Jesus is giving them the opportunity over and over again to engage in a new way. So then after he kind of gives that explanation, you know, challenging the disciples to think harder, he gives them an explanation that they have to think about. And then he does something that's pretty rare. When you read through the parables, you see that oftentimes he doesn't give any explanation to the story. But in this instance, he gives an explanation to the parable. And so I'm going to read that for us now. In verse 18, it says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. And this is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So imagine what the disciples felt after they heard that explanation. Do you think that they were frightened by the explanation, encouraged? Now imagine yourself standing there with Jesus as he explains the meaning of the parable. And I'm going to read it again. And I want to let Jesus speak to you. And I want you to allow your emotions to kind of enter into the reading. How does this make you feel? And you might want to close your eyes or just kind of um, look at one spot so you can kind of help yourself imagine what Jesus wants to give you some images, some emotions. Invite the Holy Spirit into this reading. Jesus said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word 
and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now think about what trouble or persecution in life came to mind. What worries in your own life or others? Do you see how these worries are kind of leading you away from your faith or your connection with God? Did a decision come to mind? Maybe when you heard about the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of wealth choking out the word. Is there some kind of decision or hope that you made that has to do with money? What is God saying you, to you today? Now think about what your desire is in following Jesus. What type of seed do you want to be? And think of a one-sentence prayer that speaks those feelings this morning. Imagine seeing Jesus in front of you. Imagine how he feels about you. And now speak to him that sentence. What does God say back to you? I hope that time was valuable for you. Um, we're going to practice this through this series. I know for me personally, I, I did something similar to this um, this past week and really had kind of an emotional response to this parable that I, I've heard many times before, but I, a new kind of um, emotion um, came out of reading it, and I wanted to share it. I wanted to be like, that's what I'm supposed to say this morning, because you need to hear what God had to say to me. And then I thought, that isn't really the point. The point was that I was supposed to hear it and to maybe provide the space that God has different uh, messages for us to hear this morning. And so I hope that you felt a connection to God this morning and that, um, that it was valuable for you. So every time that our ladies group meet, we have a great time, no matter the crowd. Uh, so our ladies group, we call it the Ladies Club, TLC. We meet on every other Tuesday night. And we always have a host. And that host's job is to bring the refreshments, but also to think of a question. And that question, we're all who feel comfortable are supposed to answer that question. And it just helps us to kind of get to know each other a little bit better. But what I realized is often the question 
encourages us to use our imagination. And so questions like, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Or um, imagine you could go back and talk to your 14-year-old self. What would you tell yourself, right? Imagine that. What would you say? And this past week, the question was, um, what is something that you can't do today that you could imagine that in a year you could do? And it was a great question, and I started thinking about that in response to even um, listening to this story of Jesus and that explanation. That I imagine um, hearing it makes you feel some things like, what kind of seed am I? What kind of seed do I want to be? And to use your imagination and say, in a year, what could I be? What changes would I want to make in my life? Studies have shown that a person just imagining playing a sport actually help them play the sport better. There's something about our imagination that um, God created for us that helps us to actually do things better when we engage our imagination. So Jesus today is calling us to imagine a world where we are the seeds that he plants and we're going to grow and bear fruit, where we bear fruit And we can imagine that more people will know Jesus because of that. And we can imagine that more love and justice will spread through our neighborhood because of that. And we can imagine that our character is going to become more like Jesus. How do you imagine yourself bearing fruit in the future? How do you imagine that for our church? What would our church look like a year from now if we were all these seeds that were growing and bearing fruit? Does it make you um, think of praying for certain people in our church, in our community, who are going through troubles and worries that are not their fault, and yet their faith can be choked out? Does it cause you to want to pray for them more and imagine what their life will be like if their faith stands strong through the worries and through the troubles? How would that change and affect our neighborhood? and our neighbors. Can you imagine it? So this morning, what our prayer is, is a simple one. We're just going to pray together that our our imagination would become a reality. And so we're going to pray this simple prayer together. Um, You can pray it in English or Spanish, whichever you um, want to, your heart wants but we're going to pray it as a prayer together this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, the sower, whatever we are today, whatever the mix of path, rock, thorns, or soil, help us to become good ground for you, for your word, and for your presence. Amen.